Okay. So we'll be continuing on with our discipleship training. Amen. Okay. All right. Uh, and, you know, as always, we're going to start with a little poem that y'all gave me. And it's called The World of Scripture. Welcome to my world. Place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning, when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here, swords are likened to the word, the demons of bird, the dead are yet alive, the living are actually dead, blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor, and the poorer one becomes, they later frown to be that much richer. I'm speaking of no other place than the Yasin world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears, and get ready to listen. For the Rock Aquadesh is about to begin teaching. Hallelujah. All right. We're still talking about Abram or Abram, if, if you prefer. And of course, uh, you know, his name means exalted father. And so we left off with uh, Genesis 13. So we're going to pick it up today with Genesis 14. Can I have my first reader read Genesis 14, 1 through 6, please? And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariach, king of Elisar, Kedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. All these were joined together in the Vale of Siddam, which is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Kedor Leomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And in the fourteenth year came Kedor Leomer and the kings that were with him, and smote the Rephaims in Ashtaroth, Karnaim, Karnaim, and the Zuzims in Ham, and the Emims in Shava Kiriathaim and the Horites in their Mount Seir unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Hallelujah. All right. There's a whole lot here. <laughs> you know, um, we're not going to get into that whole lot, though. <laughs> I want to just point your focus to one particular place, and that is the Valley of City. And, you know, <clears throat> the most important part of the Valley of Sidim, being that it's a valley. Selah. Right? So here it is. What do we what do we see being depicted here? Preparations for what? Preparations for war. Amongst whom? The kings. What kind of kings? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, how do we know they they're wicked? They rebelled. Where where are they from? Huh? Sodom. Sodom. Ah, they just because they Sodom, that meant, well, they not but all I, from Sodom. But they rebelled. Well, some of them rebelled, but the other ones didn't. Come on, disciples. Where you at? Uh oh, because they went down to the valley. What was that? Because they're in the valley. 
Because they're in the valley. The valley represents what? The flesh. The low place. Depression. Despair. Oppression. Anything that causes you to become low. To get you down. The valley is as far down as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So this is how we know. And this is why I didn't want to focus on nothing but this. Because you're not getting this. <laughs> so we know that <clears throat> it's a bunch of wicked kings fighting because of where they're fighting at. Amen. Amen. So if we didn't know anything, we didn't know none of the names and none, none of the meanings behind the names of any of these uh, people that are mentioned. Excuse me. And, and, and when you look at the meaning behind their names, they clearly are depicted as wicked. Mm. But without even knowing the meaning of the names, we should already know that they are wicked. We had a wicked fighting the wicked. And we know that because they're all in the valley. Yeah. And they're all from the valley. You follow me? Yeah. So that's hugely important. Because the landscape from which this area is, from, from which the, uh, all of the Bible is taken from, is filled with hills and valleys. Mm -hmm. So if you don't recognize this, then you, you know, you're not, you don't recognize it now, you're not gonna recognize it later. And you know, and you know, you, you're gonna miss out on what scripture is trying to tell you. You follow me? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you're gonna you're gonna lose sight of what's in the container. Mm -hmm. And that's what's most important, not the container itself even though the container is beautiful as well. But the container was made to hold something that's even more precious than the container. Right? Right. You know, so you, you don't never, you know, you don't buy a super expensive container to put something that's worthless in it. Right? Okay, so, you know, see that we're, we're, we're speaking to, you know, People who are are down, people who are depressed, people who are in the flesh, people who are of the world. Amen? Amen. All right. Verse 7. It says, And they returned and came into in Mishpah, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites that dwelt in Hazazan Tamer. Now, Hazazan Tamer means dividing of the palms, okay? Now, Amalekites, anybody remember what Amalekites uh, mean? Valley dwellers, absolutely. So here it is. We see that they smoke all the country of the valley dwellers. Mm. Amen? Amen. But then it tells us, and also the Amorites. Anybody remember what Amorites mean? Mm -hmm. 
What would be the opposite of an Amalekite? Mountaineers. Can you see how scripture intentionally contrasts those? Can you see that? Yeah. Learn to see these things because this is how Yah speaks to us. Yeah. You know, so he he he, he hits you with the they smoke all the country out of Malachi, but also the um Amorites that, but not all the Am Amorites, just the Amorites that dwell in Hazazan Tamer. And Hazazan Tamer speaks to a dividing of the palms. Mm. What are we talking about? When we're talking about dividing of the palms, what are we talking about? Dividing the righteous. Dividing the righteous. Absolutely. Right. We're talking about a dividing of the righteous. So now, can you see why some of the mountaineers were smoked? Mm -hmm. Because they were bringing division, division amongst the righteous. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Consider Matthew eighteen six through nine. Our Messiah speaking. He said, "For whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone." were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man by whom the offense come. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life caught or made rather than having two hands and two feet and be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into the H-E devil hockey sticks fire. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. You see, Yah doesn't play with his righteous. You know, he's saying, you know, if you offend even the smallest of of his righteousness. Mm -hmm. It's better for you to just put a millstone around your neck and, and, and jump into the sea. Mm -hmm. You see that? Mm -hmm. You know, and so like these type, type of people who do such, who do offend the righteous are the type of people that the Amorites represent that dwelt in Hazazan Tamer. They divided the palms. They divided the righteous. You know, kind of like what your false teachers do or your false mm -hmm. prophets. They divide the righteous. Can you see that? It's very important. You know, and, and even more importantly, you know, see the contrast that Yah is presenting to you. Amen? Amen. All right. Genesis 14, 8 through 12. My next reader, please. And there went out the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Belah, the same as Zoar, and they joined battle with them in the vale of Sidim. When Kedolaomar, the king of Elam, 
and with Tidal, king of nations, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Elisar, four kings with five. And the vale of Sidim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they that remained fled to the mountains. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. All right, so we see in verse 8, it says they joined them in, ba in battle, um, joined, joined in battle with them in the valley. So we're still in this low place, right? See, this is where most of your fighting take place. You know, it's going to take place, you know, on your worldly side or the worldly part of you. It's going to take place, you know, in the things that are going to cause you to be brought low. That's going to depress you. That's going to, that's going to um, uh, uh, cause you to, you know, feel oppressed or what have you, you know. It's when you get in your low spot, you know, this is when you're going to have your greatest wars. You know, now it tells us that the, the valley was full of slime pits. Anybody remember what, what the slime represented? Wickedness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wickedness. So here it is. We see them fighting in the flesh, you know, which is full of wickedness. Mm. Mm. Can you see that? And, you know, it says, and the kings of Solomon and Gomorrah fled there and failed there. Now, check this out. Now it says, and they that remained fled into the mountain. They, they that remained fled to the mountain. You know, so take note that only those that fled to the mountain survived. Yeah. All the ones that stayed in the valley died. Only the ones that fled to the mountains survived. Can you see that? Yeah. <clears throat> they that remained fled to the mountain. If they didn't fly, flee to the mountain, they would have yeah. they would have been slaughtered yeah. or taken like everyone else, right? Right. So I want you to be able to see this. Because what does the mountain represent? The kingdom, the kingdom of Elohim, it represents drawing near to Yah, because Yah, he, his, uh, his throne is in the heavens, right? Yeah. So whenever you go up, you're getting closer to Yah. Can you see that? Yeah. So if you're going up a mountain, then you're getting closer to Yah. Amen. When you're in the valley, you're the furthest from Yah. And this is where your battles take place. When you are furthest from Yah. This is why you want to dwell in Goshen. In, in a state of drawing near to Yah. See, the only ones that survived were those that fled to the mountain, to the kingdom of Elohim. And guess what? When it's all said and done, the only ones that will survive will be those that flee to the mountain, to the kingdom of Elohim. Yeah. This is why Yahshua came to open 
the gate so we can get in and get up that mountain. Amen. Amen. Verse 13, Genesis 14, 13, and there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew. And he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eskol and the brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. We're being told some stuff here. And we went over this last week, but we're going to go over it this week again, but we're going to go over it from a different angle. Amen. All right, so this word plane, we learned last week that it's not actually a plane. Amen? It's not a plane. You know, like, like we saw um, Kirkar um, was, you know, um, like the plane of Sodom. It, it's, it's not actually a plane. It, it's actually a tree. Hmm. Alone speaks to a tree, a great tree. You know, and we, we saw that we saw the spiritual implication of this. You know, we got into the spiritual implication of this great tree last week, right? So today we're going to get into more of the physical implication of this great tree. So what do you think this great tree represent, represented physically? Say again. A man. A man? Very good, but that's spiritual. That's not, that's not physical. We're talking about the physical, physical aspect. Say again. Absolute. I love that kid. Hallelujah. <laughs> Absolutely. Trees were used as landmarks. They were markers uh, for boundary lines. You know, so this is how, you know, we knew where our property property line was. You know, um, when you're in the wilderness, it's, you know, um, and during a time when, it, you know, a wilderness don't have very many trees, you're not making all the, the many fences, right? right? You know, so how would you mark your boundaries? You know, your boundary line, your property line, it would be with a, with a uh, landmark such as a tree. Right. You know, a great tree. So they, everybody knew, like, west of that tree, oh, that's Mamre's. Mm -hmm. That's Mamre's property. You know, you get, you get, um, you get east or west of that tree or whatever direction it is, you know, that's such and such property. So that was the landmark. All right. So now that we got that, you know, because it's important that you that you understand that it wasn't a plane like the plane of Sodom, because plane of Sodom was in the valley. Right. You know, we're not in the valley, we're on the mountain. Hallelujah. We're on the mountain, right? Right? We, we, we mountaineers, right? All right, now, Mamre, the name Mamre has a negative connotation and a positive connotation. Last week, we got into the negative connotation. This week, we're going to get into the positive connotation. Positive connotation of Mamre speaks to strength or fatness. You know, strength is, you know, self-explanatory, but anybody want, want to take a shot at what the fatness represents? Say again. Yes, it does speak to the best. It does speak to the best. In particular, it speaks to goodness. Fatness. Huh? Fatness? Yeah, fatness because it's oil. So it's, it speaks to goodness. You know, and it, of course, is the best of the goodness. The, the best goodness you can get, which is Yah, right? Mm -hmm. 
All right. Now, Amorite, we already went over. We already said Amorite represent mountaineers, right? Mm -hmm. Now, now keep in mind that these are the people that Abram is confederate with. Now, we didn't go over confederate. This word confederate is a compound word of Baal, which means lord or master or owner, and Barif, which means a covenant. All right? And so what's being said here is that he was confederate or he had a covenant with these other lords, these other masters, these other owners. Mm -hmm. You know, what was they lord over? What was they master over? What was they owners of? We'll get into that in just a sec. You know, and then Barif, which speaks to a covenant. All right. All right. So now we talked about the Amorite being the mountaineer. Esco, meaning fruitful. Aner, you know, speaks to a boy or a servant. You know, now I want you to contemplate this, you know, right quick and tell me what you see concerning these folks that um, that Abram is confederate with. You say they're rich? Well, they're not poor. Say again. What was that? They're righteous. They may be, but that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what it's what the text is telling us. Hmm. You know, in a sense, it may be, but it's not what I'm looking for. What was that? They had works. They had works. Fruitful, okay. yes, but you know that doesn't necessarily speak to works. Friends of Yah, best of the kingdom. Um, best of the kingdom. You okay? You're getting that from from the um from the memory, you know. Uh, now nah, I wouldn't quite put it that way. What was what, what did you say? Servants Kirk? of Yah, friends of Yah. Servants of Yah, friends of Yah. Now that's a good one. Now that's a good one. That is along the lines that I'm looking at. Why you say that? I'm seeing that they're confederate. They're uh, friends with Abraham. So anyone that's a friend of Abraham would be a friend of Yah's. No, no, no. You got that the wrong way. Say again. Like joint, joint with well, they, yeah, they are joined together. That's you know, they, that's what the con the covenant means, you know. But I want you to see, you know, who he's covenanted with. Okay, let's let's start with what we know. You know, what type of people are they? What does the mountain represent? Say again, the kingdom. What kind of people are they? No, 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 no. They're Amorites. What kind of people are Amorites? Amorites are mountaineers. Right? What does the mountain represent? So they're citizens of the king. What other type of um 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 folks are they that we, we can call? 
they are fruitful. You know, they they are they are fruitful. You know, what kind of fruit do they have? Apples or oranges, peaches or pears. What kind of fruit do they have? Fruits of the spirit, absolutely. They have love, they have joy, they have peace, they have long suffering, they have meekness, they have goodness, they have temperance. They have the fruit of the Ruach. Well, how do we know that? Because they're in the kingdom of Elohim. And that's the kind of fruit that's in the kingdom. Amen? Can you see that? Okay, what else do we know about these people? They serve. They serve? So what do you call people that serve? Servants. They're servants of who? They're servants of Yah. Servants of the kingdom. Can you see that? They're in the kingdom. They're servants of the kingdom. They're fruitful in the kingdom. What else do we know? What else could we call them? Saints. saints, what's another name for the saints? What is what is what is the text giving us? They're brothers. Brethren. They're the brethren. They're the brethren of the kingdom. Okay. You didn't notice that all of them are brothers? Mamre, the brother of Esco, the brother of Anir, they're all brothers. The text is telling you. So in other words, the covenant that Abram made was with the brethren. The brethren of the kingdom of Elohim. The brethren that was strong in fact, strong and good. The brethren that was fruitful, had the fruit of the Ruach. The brethren that was servants of Yahweh. These are the people that Yah was confederate with. These are the people that he covenanted with. These are the people of the covenant of Elohim. Can you see? Can you see it now? Come on, we got to get these blinders off our eyes. Verse 14. Can we move on? Mm -hmm. Verse 14. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued, pursued them unto Dan. Now, remember, confederate was a mixture of uh, a compound word with two different words. One was Baal, which was Lord, master, owner. Now we see what they owned. They owned servants amen you know here it is abram had 318 trained servants that was born in his own house now if the other brethren had as many servants combined as he had they had a nice little size army and if they had as many as he had they had a real decent sized army. It's about a, they was about a thousand strong. Mm -hmm. Can you see that? Yeah. They're over a thousand strong, actually. You know, if the other three brothers all had three hundred apiece. So I'm, I'm trying to get you to 
see this picture that you know y'all's drawing for us. Hmm. Now said they pursued them unto death. Damn means judge. Can you see that the kingdom of Elohim was passing judgment on the world? Yeah. On those that were worldly, those that were fleshly. Can you see that? Yeah. And they was going to pursue them until they got that judgment. Amen? All right. Verse 15. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. Hobah means hiding place. Damascus speaks to silent is the sackcloth weaver. Hmm. So, in other words, you know, they're in mourning. That's why they're weaving sackcloth. Hmm. Bless you. You know, verse 16. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. All right? Now, I don't expect anyone to get this. But there's another dichotomy being presented here that gets grossly, grossly overlooked today. On large part, this is due to preconditioning. Nevertheless, can anyone see it? Now that I've mentioned its existence, there's another dichotomy that's being presented to us. Dichotomy uh, speaks to a contrast. You know, like white, black, high, low, like we've seen the dichotomy with the mountaineers and the valley dwellers. <laughs> It's just showing that he went and got down with his own people, but he brought other people back. What's the kingdom? What's the kingdom? Other people back? Yeah, but he, he didn't he didn't go home with. Them. Right, he took them to where they went. Good. Well, he had an increase. That is going on, but we already mentioned that. You know, another dichotomy. You know, these are the valley dwellers that were already down there and they're bringing them back up into the mountain. Well, they're not taking them back. He's not taking them home. He didn't bring them back? No, he's took him, taking them back to where they came from. You know, you're not going to, um, I, I, I didn't expect anyone to get this. Place. No, it's not about the hiding place. You know, it's it's it's, it's dealing with, with, um, with government. What kind of government was Abram a part of? <laughs> yes, it was a righteous government. What kind of government was a righteous government? Order of Melchizedek was a priesthood, not a, not a governmental structure. Grace, favor. Grace or favor is not a governmental structure. Ecclesia is a type of governmental structure, but no. Yeah. A worldly government. What kind of worldly government? All types of um, government is a worldly government. You know, we have all types. Kingly governments. Has anybody pledged allegiance to the flag? Yes. 
What type of government would you pledge an allegiance to? I, I didn't say, I didn't ask who. I didn't ask who, you know, I said what type. Republic. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Anybody know what a republic is? <laughs> For the people, the people by the people. Huh? As a constitution. As a constitution. For the people by the people. That's not what defines a republic, though. Huh? For the people by the people. For the people by the people. That speaks to um, a republic in large, in large part. That's pretty much what it is. A, a republic is a type of government where there's no monarch. Hmm. Okay. And there's no, there's no, 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 no monarch or no, usually no government, you know, so they don't really have a monarch. They don't really have a structured government, but if they have a problem, they come together and form an army and fight that problem. So they don't have, you know, a set or structured government, nor did they have a set or structured monarch. You know, like what we see with um with Abram and his covenanted uh group was they were each owners, they owned land, they own they own um servants, you know, and they trained them to fight. And if they had a problem, they joined together and they fought off their problem. Mm -hmm. This is what you call a republic. Now, what kind of government was Lot a part of? Mm -hmm. A kingdom, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get you to see, the dichotomy I'm trying to get you to see is the two different types of government at work here. And it goes grossly mis, mis, uh, overlooked that Yah's system of government is a republic. Well, it was, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. It was a republic until people asked for a king. Oh, okay. Amen? Amen? You know, now, argument can be made that, spiritually speaking, there was always a kingdom, you know, but the monarch was just the way. You know, but while the monarch was away, it was a republic. With the people that was de facto here, you know, on the planet, on the earth, in the physical, it was a republic. You know, Israel originally was a republic. You know, and if they had any issues, they called all the elders together and then they gathered their troops and they went and fought their wars, right? Mm -hmm. They had no king. Can you can you see that? Yeah. yeah. They were a republic. You know, and so this is what Yah instituted. But then you had men who wanted to not just rule over that which they own, they wanted to rule over that which everyone else owns as well. They wanted to be a king. They wanted to be a monarch. 
And they want it to reign over everyone. And everyone's, meaning all their property, all their goods, you know, they want to be able to do what they wanted, when they wanted, however they wanted, and no one could tell them anything because they were king. Amen. So the dichotomy that's being presented here is the two different types of governments, governmental structures. The type that was depicting the kingdom of Elohim and the type that was depicting the peoples of the world in the valley. The most worldly, the most fleshly, where the wickedness, you know, abounded. Can you see that? I pray that you can see that because that's that's very, very, very important. You know, and that's all but been erased from scripture. No one ever, ever speaks on that. You know, but I want you to be able to see that, you know, because overall at large, scripture is a book of government. Mm -hmm. And people just, you know, they, they just gloss over it. They just can't see it. But it is. You know, and this dichotomy is being presented right here, but this is this is not the first. This is the first time, but it won't be the last time you're gonna see this dichotomy. Hmm. You know, so I just want to you know point that out. Now, what is the source of of fighting? I can't see what I have after that. Oh, what is the source of fighting in wars? What causes all the wars? Why are these? Why do wars, you know, come about to begin with? Greed, control, rebellion. Greed, control. What? Say again. Wickedness. Wickedness. Pride. Not domination. Pride, domination. Not there yet. Rebellion. Rebellion. Now. Nah. A desire to be like. What the scriptures say. What the scriptures say is the source of all the wars. Well, all right, enough guessing, y'all don't know. Let's see what it is. It's in James. Uh, it's called in James chapter four. It says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? They come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members. This is the start of every war there ever was. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Stop right there. Why is he calling them adulterers and adulteresses? Say again. Because they were separating themselves from Yah. How so? Yes, you're on, you're, you're on the right. You're on the right track. By going into other um, pleasures, what kind of pleasures? Fleshly pleasures. What's another name for fleshly pleasures? Worldly pleasures. All right? All right. Now, with that in mind, 
Let's continue. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. So um, what was said is they're called adulterers and adulteresses because they're separated from Yah. They got separated from Yah because of their worldly pleasures. Right? Everybody with me? All right, let's continue. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with Elohim. So now you see the result of those worldly pleasures that you indulge in. They bring about war. War with whom? With Elohim. Enmity with Elohim. Whosoever therefore will a friend, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of Elohim. And this is the source of all wars. This is the source of all wars and all fighting in the world. It's all can be traced back to worldly lust. Amen? Yes. One sort or another. And those worldly lusts put you diametrically opposed with Elohim. Right. So understand that whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of Elohim. You cannot do both. You have to choose one or the other. You can't be in the world and with Yah at the same time. I'm sorry. That sounds like, you know, a great compromise. But Yah don't compromise. You're either with him or you're against him. If you're not with him, you're against him. And if you're against them, you definitely not will. <laughs> Amen? Amen. It goes on in verse 5. It says, do ye think that the scripture saith in vain? The Ruach that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? For he gives more grace. Wherefore he said, he saith, Elohim resisteth the proud, but give grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to Elohim. If you want to win the war, if you want to win the fighting, Yaakov, or James, if you would, 4-7 is teaching us how to do so. Submit yourselves, therefore, to Elohim. And when you submit yourselves to Elohim, you'll do the next phrase automatically. It'll be automatic. It'll be a byproduct thereof. If you submit yourselves, therefore, to Elohim, you will resist the yeah. devil. Yeah. And if you resist the devil, it says, and he will flee from you. Yeah. So if you want to win the wars, if you want to win the fights, if you want to be victorious throughout the battle, mm -hmm. then you have to submit yourselves, therefore, to Elohim. 
And in doing so, you will resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse eight, draw nigh to Elohim. Hello, Goshen. And he will draw nigh to you. Hello, Mountaineers. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And something in your hearts. What's, what that say, sis? Sorry. <laughs> oh. um, it says, all right. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye devil-minded. I know, I know, I know, I know. It is so true that the Ruach that dwelleth in us lusts of the envy. I know you see the world and you want some of it. You see the world and you want to partake of it. You see the world and you want to enjoy some of it. Look like they're having a lot of fun. Look like they're having all the fun. They are. They're having all the fun in the world. In the world. <laughs> But guess what we have? We can have all the fun in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Be satisfied. Be satisfied. There'll be plenty of time for you to enjoy yourself. A whole eternity. Everything about this world is temporal. Yeah. Everything about y'all is eternal. Right. You want some temporary worldly happiness that's only going to be fleeting? Or you want everlasting joy? Everlasting peace? Everlasting love? Come on. It's no comparison when you really compare it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, but you want you want yours now. You want yours right now. You want to enjoy yours right now. I want to have fun today. I'm young. I'm 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 still a teenager. I'm I'm still in my early 20s, my early 30s. You know, I want to have fun. I want to have fun. I see everybody else having fun. I want to have fun too. That fun may cost you everything. That fun may be the only thing you have. But Yah is for an eternity. And with that fun, it's going to come turmoil. Trust me. Been down that road. Got the t-shirt and the hat to match. I'm here to tell you. That fun has tentacles. There's other stuff that comes along with it. It just grabs on the trouble while, while, you, while you have it. You think you're just bringing home fun? No, that fun is is dragging is dragging trouble right behind it. It's dragging turmoil right with it. It's dragging jealousy with it. It drags it's dragging envy with it. Right. It's yes. It's, it 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 drags a whole lot of hatred with it. A whole lot of hateration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't know about the hateration. Hateration is when you got a whole lot of haters hating at the same time. They create a cloud of hateration. 
<laughs> you seen them on a cartoon, it'd just be a little cloud of hater racing just following them. I'm telling you, it's not what it seems. It not, it's not what it seems. You know, it's not what it seems. Verses 18 and 19. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high Elohim, and he blessed him, and blessed be Abram, the most high Elohim. And said, blessed be Abram, the most high El, um, Elohim, possessor of the heaven and earth. Now, the bread and wine, um, you know, we went over this several times, but the bread and wine points to Abram entering into covenant with Yah that day. To see this, let us simply look to another time when a priest in the order of Melchizedek presented bread and wine. You know, and it's found in Hebrews 7, 17. It says, for he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, speaking about our Messiah, Yahshua. So we had got to set it up so that you can see that we do have another priest in the order of Melchizedek, you know, and we know that anything, any of Yah's people don't change because Yah don't change, right? Okay, so priest, uh, priest in the order of Melchizedek, how do they do things? You know, we see here he brought forth bread and wine and the priest, uh, our high priest, Yahushua, that was after the order of Melchizedek, he also gave us bread and wine, right? Found in Luke 22, verses 19 and 20, it says, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. What does it mean to be a priest in the order of Melchizedek? And can we become priests in the order of Melchizedek? What does Melchizedek mean? Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Or you can say the king of the righteous. Consider Romans 14, 7 through 19. For the kingdom of Elohim is not meat and drink. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Ruach Kadesh. The kingdom of Elohim is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Ruach Kadesh, right? For he that in these things serveth Mashiach is acceptable to Elohim and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. So here it is. If you want to get into the kingdom, if you want to serve the Messiah in spirit and in truth, you know, then you do so by being righteous, being at peace, and having joy in the Ruach. Can you see that? Yeah. You know, now, hence he tells us, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Always seek peace. You know, now in like order of Melchizedek, Yahushua also, he reigns over the righteous. You know, and he reigns over the peaceful because he's not only the king, he's like a devil king. He's not only king of the righteous, he's also king of Salem. Salem means peace. So he's not just king of the righteous, he's also king of peace. And those with joy in the Ruach. So Yahshua reigns over those who are righteous, those who are peaceful, and those who have joy in the Ruach. 
So we should be following after these things. We should be following after righteousness, after peace, and those who have joy in the Ruach. You know, you should not be mad all the time. You should not be upset all the time. You should not be easily triggered. You know, you should be able to have joy in the Ruach. You know, you should be able to smile. You know, you should be able to be joyful. You should be at peace. You should be righteous. I don't think you're going to be a happy heathen and be and be yours. No, he's the king of the righteous, not the heathens, right? Yeah. Understand these things. First, Yochanan 3, 5 through 7, and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. What is sin? Transgression of, Transgression of Torah. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever abideth in him does not transgress to arise. Whosoever sinneth have not seen him, neither known him. So if you are a sinner, he will rightfully say in that day, go away. I never knew you, ye workers of iniquity. Ye workers of lawlessness. Because sin is transgression of the law. Everybody with me? Yeah. Verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. Ah, I love this verse. I love this verse with all my heart. Let no man deceive you. Mm. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Now, this seems like such a simple concept. It seems as though it needs no expounding. But in our day and time, it needs much expounding because so many people have brought into this erroneous doctrine that you can be righteous without being righteous. It defies common sense. That's not common anymore. You cannot be righteous without being righteous. Shouldn't even have to be saying that. But it's a lot of people, a lot of me, millions of people who believe this. They believe because they said a few words and they said that they believed in their heart and they confessed some things with their mouth that they are saved and that they are Yahshua's and that he's their king. Yahshua is the king of the righteous. He's the king of the peaceful. He's the king of those who have joy in the Ruach Kadesh. You cannot be righteous without being righteous. You can't Get righteousness outside of being righteous. Righteous. You have to be righteous even as he was righteous. You have to follow him. I don't know how to make it no, no plan. But you can't live in sin and be righteous. That's an oxymoron. Right. You can't do it. You know, you have to do righteousness to be righteous. 
That's the only way. I'm sorry. There's no shortcuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to learn what righteousness is. Yes, yes. You have to learn the commandments of Elohim. You have to learn the commandments of Yahshua. Yes, 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 yes. You have to walk these things out. Yes, 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 yes. They're still in effect. Full effect. Yes, yes, yes. You're going to be judged by your works. Or lack thereof. Say that. Hebrews 7, 1 through 4. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high Elohim, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, Melchizedek. And after that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, neither be um having neither beginning of days nor end of life but made like unto the son of elohim a bible a priest continually. now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch abraham gave the tenth of the spoils i am convinced that via yahushua we can become like him that is, we can become priests in the order of Melchizedek. In fact, I'd have you know that that's a major part of the plan. We see this in Revelation 1, 5, and 6 and elsewhere. It says, from and from Yahushua Mashiach, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto Elohim and his father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Ah, man, as priests, it is our job to offer a fleshly sacrifice and many spiritual sacrifices. You have some fleshly sacrifices. Yes. You're living in it. Put it on the altar. Put it on the altar sometime. Let the fire consume. Offer up your spiritual sacrifice of praise and, and, and thanksgiving and prayer and goodness. Verse uh, 20, and blessed be the most high Elohim, which have delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. The bread and wine, again, point to Abram entering into covenant with Yah that day. You know, Leviticus 27, 30 through 33, and all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is Yahuwah's. It is holy unto Yahuwah. And if a man will at all redeem all of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be whole unto Yahuwah. He have not, um, he shall not search whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. If he change it at all, then both it and the change thereof shall be holy, and it shall not be redeemed. Yah is not a tyrant, folks. He doesn't doesn't place demands upon our goods just because, you know, he's not saying that you owe him because, just because he's he's ill. He's saying you owe him because of the work that he done. Mm -hmm. You know, if you notice, you know, all the ties or types of foods, you know, now it could be of your material possessions as well, but I want you to see that the tithes 
were put in place because of what Yah has done. He makes the light shine on you. He watered it from the, from the rains of heaven. Yeah, you tilled the soil. You planted the seed. You did some work. You know, you, you kept it, you kept it clear, you pulled out the weeds, you, you know, you 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 pruned it, you did, you, you did your you did you did you did your work, and that's why you get 90%. <laughs> but Yah did his work too, and all he's asking for is 10. Yeah. And the killing part about it is your work without his work, you get nothing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> His work without your work, you still gonna get something. Amen. 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 So think about that. Deuteronomy 12, 6, and thither ye shall bring your off your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your free will offerings and firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. Give Yah what is his. Give him what he asks for. He doesn't ask for much. He is not a greedy L. He is not uh, unfair. He's very much, you know, fair and overly fair in all actuality. You know, so give him what's his. You know, verses 21 through 24. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, unto Abram, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto Yahuwah, the most high Elohim, the possessor of heaven and earth that I will not take from a thread, even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Eskol, and Mamre. That is the brethren of the kingdom, the servants, the, uh, the ones that are fruitful and the ones that are good. Let them take their portion. Hereby we learn that Abram had made a vow to Yahuwah in exchange that Yah would give them victory and he uh, might save Lot and his family. I pray that ye also see that this speaks to spiritual Sodom, you know, which is Jerusalem, which, which is the capital of the house of, Yah of Judea or Yahuda, and how Yahushua, our exalted father, won't take any but those servants which are fruitful and um, those servants which are fruitful and strong or fat. You know, this is all he wants. He want. Those are the only ones he's taking, y'all. Hmm. Say lie. That's all I have for you today. Pray with the blessing. Amen.